Hi again. It's good to see you. Well, I can't see you. I'm sure it's good for you to see me. Um, you know what? I really appreciate the fact that you've given some of your time as a family or as individuals to to put some time aside to, to listen to me. Uh, and it really humbles me to understand that you are doing that. And I'm praying that God will help me communicate something from his heart to yours this morning. So I don't know about you, but my world is a little bit crazy at the moment. Uh, this this week alone, look, some of you know that we're in the middle of renovations, and if you could only see what's going on be, behind that camera, you'd be amazed. So renovations are going on. Uh, us, like many other families, have their kids at home, and so we're homeschooling, we're working around renovations, we've had a trip to a hospital and an ambulance, we've had a range of things going on. Just as I prepared this message uh, yesterday, I'd just come back from uh, sitting beside uh, Dave uh, at the hospital, praying for him in the morning. And as most of you may be aware, Dave passed away in the afternoon. And so I can feel a little bit overwhelmed at times, and maybe you can feel the same. I can feel a little bit depleted at times, and it seems we're, we're trapped in our houses, and it seems that way, and I can feel I can feel a little bit like you. And in our church family, I know I know that some of you have lost lost your jobs. I know some of you have lost loved ones, even. Some of you have lost some of your retirement savings. Some of you have lost hours that you work. And I know all of us are facing some really challenging times. And I want to encourage you, if you are facing some challenging times, to reach out for help. You know, if you need a, a chat with someone or someone to pray with you. Uh, to support you and encourage you to reach out to one another if, if God lays someone on your heart give them a call say hi check in how they're doing if you need any of us our church leadership our pastors our elders our staff we're still still there we're still accessible you can contact us through links on the website uh, many of you have my personal details please feel free to contact me directly if you need us we want to really be here and although we're apart we're really working hard and praying hard to make sure that we are still connected and do what we can to love and serve you. You know, I was talking about all the things that you might have lost this week. I want to encourage you, you might have lost work or hours or sleep or a range of things. I want to encourage you, don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope because that in this season for today, your hope is something which is so important. In fact, it's our hope, it's our Christian hope that should make us different to all those around us. You know, we all across the globe, we're facing some incredible challenges. And this is really the time for us as Christians, as the ones who claim to have Christ as our hope. It's time for us to really show people around us what it's like to have peace in the midst of some really troubling times. In the midst of all that's going on, you know, I was just so reminded that it's so easy to forget about Easter. My goodness, that's only next weekend. And uh, today, if you follow any sort of liturgical calendar, today is Palm Sunday. And so that's uh, not this type of palm, and you can give everyone in your house a high five if you like, or give me a virtual one. There you go, no physical contact. But it's Palm Sunday, as I said, not that palm, but it's a day where we remember that just, just the weekend before Jesus rode into, well, the weekend before he was crucified, Jesus rose into Jerusalem, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he was welcomed as a king returning from war. 
And so that would happen just a week before the events of Easter. And that's what we call Palm Sunday. They lay down palm branches to celebrate the king. This week that we're moving into is often called Passion Week. And again, social distancing, please. We're not talking about that type of passion. We're talking about the passion of Jesus and the, and the journey he went through on the way to the cross. So it was a week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. So much changed where it went from a celebration to a crucifixion, where it went from uh, dancing to despair, where it went from hope to hopelessness. And we've seen just in our own life, so much can happen a week. So much can change in a week, certainly in our society, certainly in our nation across the globe. And we can see it happening everywhere. And I need to continually remind myself what Jesus told us last week, which what I shared about last week, that we need to take our eyes, do what we can to take our eyes off the foreground and look to the background, to anchor our faith in the background of God's goodness and God's character and God's love and God's provision and his peace. That is where our hope, the greatest hope will be found. So as we approach East, I want to encourage you to, uh, if, if you're with your family, to read through some of the gospel accounts of the passion story, the journey to the cross. I know our right now media platform that many of you are watching on that's got a whole heap of resources to do at Easter. Encourage you, let's remind ourselves, I know we're busy, actually in some ways we're less busy because we're at home, we can't go out and do much. But I want to encourage you this time to make the most of connecting deeper with God. And so next for our next weekend, we've got our special Easter services. We're going to have two services. We've got our Good Friday communion service. I encourage you, join us for that and our Easter celebration service coming up. And a great idea over this time is to, why don't you invite others to join us? Uh, in, the, in the links that I send you, you'll receive a, a playlist that will come through on our Wednesday e-news, a playlist that you can directly pe take people to our YouTube channel and they can watch our Easter services with us. Or if you've got people who'd like to join the Right Now Media platform and access all that wonderful material, they can go through our website and also connect up. We've talked about that earlier. So this morning, I want to talk about, well, start with last week. We talked about having the right focus. And I encourage us all to change our focus from our foreground circumstances to the background. And in the background to see where God is at work, even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel him. So let's go back to our passage from last week, which was the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 25 today and read to verse 30. That's Matthew 6, verse 25 to 30. Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, more far, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Let's just pause there for a minute. And so here we find some really helpful advice from Jesus on how we can handle the internal struggles of worry and anxiety. 
certainly when we're confronted with the external challenges of life. Jesus doesn't dismiss any of the things that you're facing. The things that you're going through right now, I know they're difficult. I know they're hard. And he, Jesus doesn't say, oh, don't worry about them, she'll be right. Jesus doesn't dismiss them. They certainly occupy a large part of our foreground. They can be large, they can be uncertain, and they can occupy a lot of our thoughts and a lot of our prayers. But what Jesus does do, we talked about this last week, is that he brings the background into focus. He helps us focus on something which is as real. In fact, in some ways, the background, what's happening in the background, is more helpful than what we can see in the foreground. Because it's in the background that we find strength and hope and joy. It's because of the background we don't need to worry. And Jesus redirects our focus from the foreground of our troubles and circumstances and our uncertainties to the background of a loving Heavenly Father who provides for the birds, clothes the flowers of the field. Then he asks a profound rhetorical question. He says, won't that same father who who looks after the birds and the one that clothes the, the flowers, won't that same father take care of and provide for you? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, of course he will. And so Jesus then, in this passage, instructs us to do two things. Well, firstly, he tells us not to do one thing, and we talked about that last week. He said, don't worry. And he gave us some great reasons not to worry because of our Heavenly Father. And the second thing he tells us to do, we're going to focus on today. And we find that in the next set of verses, starting at verse 31. So Jesus says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Now, what does Jesus mean? So He's saying, don't worry, that's the first thing not to do. But now He's telling us to seek first the kingdom of God. And so, it's worthwhile trying to explore, what does He mean by that? And before we get there, I want to go to a connecting thought that Jesus gives us because it has everything to do with our focus and our priorities. So in verse 32, if you've got your passage there, Jesus comments, uh, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He's saying, Jesus is connecting our worry, the thing that we worried about or the most anxious about, with the things we're looking at. And he says that it's the unbelievers, it's those who don't know God, They are the ones that are focusing on the foreground. They are the ones focusing on what is tangible, what is uh, uh, physical to them, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. They are the ones that are focusing on on their health, their wealth, their material possessions. That's all they want. That's all they focus on. And Jesus says that's why they worry. These things consume them. Those external realities totally consume those that are unbelievers, and that is why they worry. And there's a principle at work here, and the principle is our anxieties reflect our priorities. You can say that with me if you like. My anxieties reflect my priorities. See, we get anxious about the things we put our hope in, the things we value, the things we treasure. They're the things that we are most interested in, and in many ways we get most anxious about if things aren't working out well. In fact, earlier in this chapter, Jesus puts it this way. Going back to verse 21, Jesus says, Wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Jesus is saying is whatever you treasure, whatever you value, whatever you pursue, whatever you are consumed about, whatever you put your hope in, whatever you seek, 
those things, well, those things have a grip on your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. So what does Jesus do at this point? Well, what he does, he calls the background into view again. He says, let me give you something else to seek after. Let me give you somewhere else to look. He, he goes on to say, you know, there, there is something worth seeking. There is something worth pursuing. There is something worth being consumed with. Something else that can occupy your thoughts, your actions, and your affections. Jesus says, if you want something else to focus on, if you want something else to be consumed with, something else that can, that can give you a, a meaningful life, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And so you might be thinking, okay, I get that, but what does he mean by the kingdom of God? Well, I want to go back a couple of verses again. I want to go back to verse 19, and he's talking about what we invest and where we invest it. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store yourselves treasures in heaven where moths cannot destroy or where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus tells us here to, to store our treasures in heaven. He's encouraging us to, to put our investment in eternal things. You know, I, I've got a very small stock portfolio. I was given like a hundred shares years ago when I worked for uh, for for Dick Smith, and and I've still got those shares. And uh, every now and then I look into the the stock market to see what they're worth, and it's interesting. And so I'm doing nothing with them. I really don't care that much about them. Didn't cost me anything, and so I'll just see what happens. And so, but because there's a bit of an investment, I am interested. And so I, I do check to see how those stocks are progressing. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to store your treasures, put them in somewhere eternal. See, my, I know this, when you watch your stocks, the stock market goes up, the stock market goes down, and you can get caught up in worrying what's happening in the natural stock market. So that's why Jesus is saying, if you've got something worth investing, I'm not talking, he's not talking about finances here, but if you've got something worth investing, invest them in an eternal kingdom which is not affected by the ups and downs of a stock market or the, or the trends of our world. He says, Jesus says, don't put your ultimate hope in the things of this world. He says, invest, put plan, think about, resource the things that are eternal. Don't, don't focus on what you can acquire, what you can achieve, what you can accomplish in this life. Put your treasures the focus of all that you do, not on what you can accomplish in this life. He says, put it in the next life. And, and you might be wondering, I, I get that, but how do I do that? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the passage of Scripture we're looking at, Jesus tells us how. Jesus tells us that we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us we are to go the extra mile or turn the other cheek. And so seeking the kingdom of God, yes, it involves our treasure being invested into an eternal realm. So it involves two things. It involves remembering that our hope, the hope of our lives, is not in the things of this earth. The hope that we as Christians have, our ultimate hope, is found in eternity. That's the place to put our anchor. And so the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom involves two things. Number one, remembering the hope in heaven that we have. And number two, to radically demonstrate the love of Jesus here and now. Now, I want you to see how this works. If our eternal hope, 
If the greatest security for your life today is not found in your stock market or your share or your property prices or your or the prices of fuel, which is quite good at the moment, but if your if your greatest hope isn't found in the the natural things, if your eternal hope, your greatest security is found in heaven, if that's the case, then today, right here and right now, we are free to demonstrate his love to others because we're not worried about the things of this earth. We're not worried about this is where our hope is, this we're going to get consumed by because our hope is in heaven and so we can be consumed by loving and serving people here today. Now you might think that's a a beautiful sentiment but the early Christians, the ones that we we read about in in our Bible, these guys understood this in a way that I'm not there yet. And so they took these words to heart. They lived them out and it radically changed the world. We're going to, if you've got your Bibles and you're quick, if you can get to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. The writer of the Hebrews says this. He says, writing to the first century Christians, he says to them, do you remember those early days after you first saw the light? Those were hard times, kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days it was your friends. And if some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies, listen to this, if some enemies broke in and seized your goods, seized your toilet paper and your sanitizer and your baked beans and your whatever, you let them go with a smile knowing that they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So here the writer is talking to Christians and talking about their real treasure. And when your real treasure is established in heaven, when that is the, the place where your hope and your life and your, and your anchor is, then no matter what happens on this side of, of, of eternity, whether people break into your house and take your stuff, They can't touch your real treasure. Nothing people can do can bother you. Now, can you see this connection? It's it's the hope of heaven helps us to show the love of Jesus today. And church history clearly links the growth of Christianity to the care and compassion of Christians for the poor and the sick during plagues and epidemics. The epidemics that, that has gone through, this is not the only time this has happened. This has happened a number of times before. But the epidemics that that seemed like the end of the world actually promoted the spread of Christianity. Because because Christians had their hope in heaven, they could demonstrate their love selflessly. Selflessly, that's the right one. Self-sacrificially. They could show it on this side. And all throughout the centuries, the reports are exactly the same. Every time a war or famine or pestilence or plague, any time those things would ravage the world, the Christians would stand up and share and care. Why would they do that? Because they had their hope set in heaven, not on their earthly needs. And because their hope was set in heaven, it helped them to invest in people rather than possessions. And the last verse, Jesus says, to seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. There's a wonderful promise here, but it's conditional. There's three parts to this this verse that we can quote so often. 
Jesus tells us three things. Number one, we need to make God's kingdom our first priority. His kingdom uh, above our own earthly desires and our own earthly uh, pursuits. We need to live a life that is anchoring our hope in eternity. Because when our lives understand that our greatest, no matter what anyone can do to us, our greatest hope is found in our relationship with God and our eternal security, when we can understand that in a greater way, that will overflow in us to produce right living as we love and serve others. So our hope goes in heaven, our, our hope is in our eternal security, and the goodness of our God, and His character, and His love, and His wisdom, and His grace, and all that He has for us. That's my phone ringing, so give me a moment. Ah, oh, I'm back. That was Macy. Hi Macy. Sorry I couldn't get your call. I'm a bit busy at the moment. It distracts me. I hope you got your phone switched off. Anyway, so I am now going to go back to this verse, which you've got, and you're probably screaming at your screen, telling me, Mark, you just said this. What I'm talking about, found, I think I found it. So, as we have our eternal hope in heaven, it overflows right living in us. And the right living in us is our love and our care in serving others. It's when we have our hope in heaven, living rightly in, in loving and serving others, then the promise comes into play. Then God will give us everything we need. What a fantastic promise. It involves us seeking and living. It involves our eternal hope and our, our personal sacrifice. And ultimately, it was eternal hope and personal sacrifice that would take Jesus to the cross. See, seeking God's kingdom requires us to put others' needs first before our own. And you know what? I am so far away from getting that right. Because too often, I seek my own kingdom first, not God's kingdom. If you are finding that hard to believe, I'll give you permission to ask Ali. Ask my mum. Ask my kids. You can check out my credit card statements. You can check out what I what I prioritise, what I focus on. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm working at it. And I'm sure you're working at it too. But seeking God's kingdom requires me, and it requires you, to understand that, yeah, our hope is in heaven, and that frees us to love and serve sacrificially today. So in the month ahead of us, you know, we're going to be presented with needs and opportunities to show the love of Jesus. I love the story. If you haven't listened to your Hunter stories already, check out Angela's story. I love it. How we can, that's one practical way we can show the love of Jesus to others. You know, I don't know what it's going to look like. But what I do know, it's, it's not going to be gathering. It's going to be giving. It looks like sharing our resources, our treasure, our time, often at a cost. Sometimes it's phone calls, maybe shopping for others, maybe putting time aside to, to go on your phone or a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime or your Skype or whatever you do, a Google Hangout or a, I don't know, there's so much platform. There's so many ways that we can connect to others. It does take time and it does come at a cost. 
It looks like, to me, seeking first the kingdom of God, it looks like a type of living that only makes sense if heaven is for real. Because if Jesus truly is alive, which we'll celebrate and, and remember next weekend, if Jesus is alive and our hope truly is in heaven and his love is our motivation, then, then surely we as Christians can freely show our love to others. Yeah, look, so we might have some technological problems. Hopefully our sound is back to normal now. And so I'm wrapping up. You know, are we ever going to do this perfectly? I don't think we are. But thankfully we know the one who's gone before us. All the way from Bethlehem to Calvary, Jesus always lived with the background in view. Jesus came with an agenda. His agenda was to love and to serve others. He came to give us life and life in all its abundance. He came, down to, he came to lay down his life for his friends. He came to give his life as a ransom for many, and, and that includes me, and that includes you. His life was the price that he paid so that you and I could be free. Free from guilt, free from shame, free from, from striving, free from condemnation, free from trying to be good enough. See, when we place our faith in Jesus and, and what he did on the cross, something supernatural occurs inside of us. He comes alive in us through his spirit. And we enter a, enter a relationship, a friendship with God through Jesus. And it's there and then our hope of eternity becomes secure. It becomes real. And we have access to his endless love and grace and peace. How good is that? That is the hope of Christianity. That is the message of, of Easter and the message of the cross of a loving father who sent a son who could give his life for us, that we could know him and experience his goodness, not just in eternity, but his goodness today. But that's conditional on us placing him in the foreground of our lives, replacing our own foreground, which is typically us and, and myself and my wants and my desires and my needs. It's replacing our foreground or taking us out of the foreground and putting Jesus and his kingdom and righteous living and living the life that he wants for us to love and serve others. It's replacing us with his kingdom and his living, what he wants us to live by. So in this passage, Jesus encourages us to look at both the background and the foreground, to rest in God's, in the background of God's character, his goodness, his provision and his care. And as we rest in that, it enables us to do all we can to keep his kingdom in the foreground of our lives. I don't think we'll ever be perfect with this, but I think we can do better. I certainly can do better. So we're going to pray. So let's just um, settle our hearts, settle our minds. And Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that I've had through this medium to share something from your heart, from your word to each one of us in our church family or the others that are listening in that may not yet be part of a church family or may not be, or might just be trying to figure out what this Christianity thing is. Father, I thank you that through your word you show us how not to worry. Jesus, you tell us that we don't need to worry because, because of the background of our lives where God is at work. But also thank you that instead of worrying that you give us something else to pursue, something else to be consumed by, and that is your kingdom. 
That is anchoring our, our hope, our eternal hope in you, that no matter what happens on this side of life, that our eternal hope is secure. And that we can also, because of that, that we can live and love others sacrificially as Jesus has. Lord, help us to, to learn what it means to seek your kingdom first. Help us to know when we need to reprioritize our lives and our and our resources and our treasure and our talents and our finances and the, the things we do, the things we pursue. Helps us to figure out in a greater, better way what it is to seek your kingdom first and how we can live for you in a better way. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to make what is important to you important to us. And I pray this week as we head toward Easter, I pray that you'll help us to find ourselves rediscovering what Jesus you went through, the foreground of pain that you went through for a background of joy. And I pray that will help us to walk through and experience all that we're going through in the weeks ahead. And we thank you for all that you did for us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I want to encourage you, after this message, there'll be a some discussion questions. So after I've finished talking, which is almost now, um, press pause on your video or your screen or your phone or whatever it is and uh, talk together as a family or if you're by yourself, why don't you give a friend a call and talk together some of the questions that are up on the, on the discussion screen and have a pray together perhaps. There's some ideas and some things you could maybe be really beneficial to talk and pray with one another. And for me, I'll see you again on Friday for our communion service. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to celebrating life at Easter time in the midst of news reports that are full of death and despair, that, that we can relate to them. But ultimately, we come from a position of life, that the cross was empty, that the, the tomb was empty, and that Jesus is arisen. That is our hope. And so I'm looking forward to doing that with you next week. Have a good week. Talk to you soon.